Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of communicating with God. Everybody's to pray without ceasing. All of us are to be prayer warriors. It's not a gift to be a prayer warrior. If you're a servant and you're going to be effective, and if you think you can do it just with your talents, your abilities, and your good looks, you're sadly mistaken. It's because you pray. God, direct me, show me, guide me. What do you want? When do I go? What do I say? What don't I say? Prayer. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. In basketball, there's the power forward. In football, you want a powerful front line. In war, you want a powerful weaponry. And in business, you want the power to make the important decisions. Yes, power is an important asset. Well, as we get back to our study from the book of Second Thessalonians, Pastor Xavier uncovers one of the most powerful armaments of all. Let's join him for today's lesson. The only true help is prayer. The power of prayer is clearly revealed throughout the scriptures, yet for some reason, every generation is consistent in neglecting prayer and at times not believing as benefits by not praying at all. One day, God was about to destroy Israel, and Moses interceded for Israel. It's recorded in Numbers 14, 17 through 20. It says, And now I pray, Moses praying, Let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering, abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he by no means clears the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your words. This is one of the most powerful records in scripture about the effectiveness of prayer and what it does. The problem is that too often we take these records and we think them nifty little stories. Or that prayer works for everybody else, but not for me. I pray that the Spirit of God will deal with your heart and mind. Because I, as your pastor, embarrassingly have to say that we are anemic and spiritual midgets when it comes to prayer. It's been said often that the popularity of the church is measured by Sunday morning. The popularity of the pastor by midweek studies. And the popularity of God by the prayer meetings. And yet look at all that God does by His grace and mercy. The apostle to the Gentiles has prayed for the Thessalonians. Whom God has chosen for salvation that He might strengthen them and continue to work in and through them. In chapter 2 verse 16 and 17. He knowing that he is no different than those he has just finished praying for. He now asks that the Thessalonians pray for him. Paul has prayed for them three times before. He prayed in chapter 1 verse 3, verse 11, 2, 16 and 17. He will pray in 3, 5 and 3, 16 again for them. We have five references to praying for them. Notice that Paul moves from the doctrinal section to the practical section now. 
as he enters chapter 3. Now this doesn't imply that there is no doctrine taught here. Only that the central focus of this section deals with the practical application to their local life situation. So what we want to do is look to Paul's prayer request for the preaching of the gospel. This is what he's requesting here in verses 1 and 2. Let me read our text. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. Paul's request for the preaching of the gospel is marked by three things. First, Paul requested prayer for the human instrument. Secondly, Paul requested prayer for the word to be effective. And then thirdly, Paul requested prayer for protection from evil men. Notice first, the request for prayer is prefaced by the word, finally. The apostle is beginning to wind down his letter, as you can see, by the length and the portion where he is now at. He has dealt with the crucial issues of the day of the Lord. He has reminded them of all he had told them about the man of sin when he was with them. In fact, in verse 5 of chapter 2, he says, Do you not remember when I was still with you, I told you these things? Nothing new. He has given thanks for their salvation and exhorted them to hold fast to the truth that he had delivered to them. Now the word is used by Paul in two different ways. He uses it as a transitional word to introduce practical exhortations without implying that the letter was coming to the close. You get this in Philippians chapter 3 verse 1 because he has all of chapter 3 and still chapter 4. And then you also find it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. He still has two chapters to go. A better translation when it uses a transitional word is henceforth. Furthermore, it's a transition. He's not done yet. Here, 2 Thessalonians 3, 1. He's got this chapter left. A few verses and key things, verse 15. Then he closes with verse 16, 17, and 18. Now notice secondly also, the request for prayer is directed to his spiritual children. While... Relating himself as their equal before God. He uses the word brethren. Here he is, the mighty apostle, the one who started the church, and yet he comes down to their level. That is so important. The word brethren, as you know, means those who were born in the same womb. Those who had belonged to the same family of God. All of them were the same before God. That's an interesting thing, and it's a very important thing that you grasp. I don't know your background, whether you're coming out of a Catholic background or what kind of background, but I as a Catholic always saw there were some people more spiritual than me, and, you know, I could never be as holy as them, and, you know, there were saints and this, but now I know there's only saints and ain'ts and nothing else, and so it's pretty good. But as a child of God, as a Christian... All of us have equal standing before God by the grace of Jesus Christ. Nine times the word is used, or 19 times in the first letter, and nine times in this second letter. Brethren, 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 equal before God. Now notice also the apostle portrays himself as a mere man. Paul was teaching them that our spiritual birth should produce humility in us rather than self-exaltation. It is so easy to be exalted. We give each other the benefit of the doubt that we begin humble. How else can we begin? The problem staying there. It doesn't take us long for God to use it some way and, and we think that we've got it together. 
And to prove that, that when God uses us, we can't wait to tell somebody. But we do it in such a way, well, you know, yeah, the other night, you know, oh, God, you know, I was just praying about five in the morning and he just did, really? It's so easy, it's our nature to get puffed up. You ever see balloons that have the helium in them? You got to hang on to them because they always want to be uplifted. And if something doesn't hold them down, they vanish. <laughs> Paul was teaching them that no one is above or beyond the need of prayer. This is good. Now you, parents, do you communicate to your children what God is doing in your life? You say, you know, dad's going for an interview today. I want you guys to pray for me. You know, I got some heavy opposition at work and there's some things coming down. Please pray for me, kids. Wow. That is the greatest thing you can do for your children. Always let them know what's going on so they'll be praying for you and everything else. So when God works, man, they're blown away. Don't wait till they're 18. Say, okay, now sit down, Johnny. I'm going to tell you all that God did for me. And after you tell me, he's going to go, really, Dad? <laughs> Paul was teaching them that the ones who know you should be the ones you should ask to pray for you. Very important. Notice thirdly here, the request for prayers for his fellow servants, not just himself. Pray for us. The word prayer it means to supplicate, worship, and is always used of God for prayer in general in the scriptures. Always for God. The Thessalonians now had the right to go before the throne of grace to intercede. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Every one of you who are born again, you can go before the throne of grace to find help in time of need. Any day, any time, any place. Billy Graham doesn't have more access to God's throne than you. Does that blow your mind? <laughs> you can go before the throne of grace. The Thessalonians had been the very recipients of the prayers of the apostle as he was forced to leave under persecution. And he was worried about them. And he was praying for them. And then he sent Timothy back and he saw that his prayers were answered. They had received first-hand experience and benefit. By the way, the present tense here is present, calling for continuous prayer on their behalf. It's something that you and I continue to have to be reminded because we pray and oh, okay, that's it. No. We quit too soon and too often in prayer. Very important. Notice the Apostle Paul was doing two things by requesting prayer from the Thessalonians. First, Paul was teaching them the proper attitude and perspective of a true servant to help others in their spiritual needs. If you consider yourself to be a servant, then you are a prayer warrior. And by the way, all of us are to be prayer warriors. It's not a gift to be a prayer warrior. Everybody's to pray without ceasing. If you're a servant and you're going to be effective, and if you think you can do it just with your talents, your abilities, and your good looks, you're sadly mistaken. It's because you pray. God, direct me. Show me. Guide me. What do you want? When do I go? What do I say? What don't I say? Prayer. But secondly, Paul was teaching them that no one member of the body of the church can do without the help of the other members of the body or think himself to be more important. We all need one another. We all affect one another. We need to understand that. 
Paul, Silas, and Timothy all needed help from heaven through the intercessory prayer of the saints in Thessalonica. So important. One day Spurgeon was asked the secret of his ministry, if you know anything about Charles Spurgeon, friends of preachers. He didn't say anything without a word spoken. He led a person to this little room where people were praying constantly for the word when it was being preached. We need to pray always showing God our awareness that we cannot do his work in the energy of the flesh. And everyone else who is going to be used of God. That's what we demonstrate when we pray. We're saying, Lord, help this boy. Help me. When I don't pray, I indirectly am saying, I don't need God's help. Listen to Paul as he tells the Ephesians. Ephesians 6.18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful. To this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You come to the body, you mingle around, you know what's going on in people's lives. You know the difficulties, you know the problems, you know the things that are You're praying for them. You're coming. I hope you're coming to the service, not to see if you can be blessed. I hope you're coming prayed up and ready to see how God will use you to bless others. Very important. We need to pray continuously, especially after God uses us. Lest we forget who did it. And then we say, well, you know, God did great things. You know, but I didn't do too bad. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall, Proverbs 16, 18. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. It doesn't take much to get us puffed up. It really doesn't. We need to pray that we not get discouraged in our service, thinking that God will not avenge his servants from all the evil in the world. One day Jesus spoke a parable because of this in Luke 18. And he began the parable by saying, men always ought to pray and not lose heart or faint. Reverse it. Men lose heart and faint because they don't pray. And then he went to give the parable of this man, this judge who didn't fear God or man. And this woman had this creditor there bugging her this and that. And, and she kept bugging the judge. He says, this guy doesn't fear God or man. But he said, I'll get this woman off my back. She's bugging me. And she, he avenged her. Now often that parable is taught by preachers and teachers that we must be importunists, just consistent, just stay, stay on it. Now that's a principle taught in scripture, but not in that parable. Parables compare or contrast. If we make that parable a comparison, then we're teaching that the only way God will hear us is if we get on his back and bug him to where he says, all right, here, have it. It's a contrast. If this man did not fear God or man, and he did the right thing, how much more shall God avenge his elects who cry out day and night to him, though he bear long with the evil? Well, there's the application. Listen, don't get your eyes on the world, the injustices. God will take care of everything at the end. Everything will work out. Everything. Paul requested prayer for the human instruments. I covet your prayers. I thank you for your prayers. What you see here, 20 years of ministry, is because of prayer. Maybe only three people have been praying. It's due to them. You understand? 
Nothing happens apart from prayer when God's using us. And there's other things that God does without prayer. But he puts a premium on prayer regarding his church. Now notice secondly, Paul requested prayer for the word to be effective. That the word of the Lord may run swift and be glorified just as it is with you. First of all, the petition was that the word of God have victory in men's hearts. The method was by the word of the Lord, speaking of the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 1.8, it speaks about how God's word had effectively overcome them and won them. It is called the word of God. It is called the word of truth. It is called the word of Christ. The word of the Lord. The gospel. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save men, Paul tells the Corinthians. Not the preaching of foolishness. Regardless of how much technology we have, how much internet information, how many satellites, whatever it is. God will always use man to preach and save man. In fact, at the end of the age, God uses the angel to preach the everlasting gospel. Now, God at the end could go, say, say, no, he doesn't. He sends an angel to preach the everlasting gospel. Because people hear the people, ah, you guys are crazy. You don't mean sin, sin. What are you talking about sin? Sin, the devil, all this. You guys make it up so that you can ruin people's fun. Really? Hmm. But isn't that the way we thought in the world? The manner was for it to run swift. The method, the gospel. The manner, that it runs swift. And the word here for run swift means to make rapid progress. Being unhindered. You know why? Because there are many things that hinder the gospel. For one, the heart of man. Hard. Satan. The attraction of the world. Many things. Paul very possibly here is combining the Old Testament imagery as well as the New Testament of the stadium and the athletic imagery that he paints through it. Psalm 147.15 will help you as well as you cross-reference Romans 9.16, 1 Corinthians 9.24. He speaks about the runner running the race. Philippians, he speaks about it. These metaphors over and over again. And he speaks of how they agonize to win. Here he's personifying the word of God or the gospel as running through the land, having victory in the hearts of lost men. Winning them. The gospel wants to win the heart of men. By the way, the verb is in the present tense indicating continuous progress in winning the hearts. Pray that it continually be going on. This should be our prayer as a body. As people come. Notice secondly. The petition was that the word of God receive what? It's proper recognition. Be glorified. The outcome of the word of God running swiftly in the hearts of men is that it would be glorified. It receive its due, if you will. The word glorified means to exalt with the idea of having honor. As to triumph as a winner by virtue of its inherent quality. That once now you've come to Christ, a man has come to Christ, he, he sees that it is the word of God. This thing is able to save me. This thing is able to change my life. This thing is able to give to me eternal life. Because it is God's word. The acknowledging that the word of God is God's revelation and not man's speculation. Very important. 
Acknowledging that it could do what it promises. If I believe in obedience to what God requires. Acknowledging the love of God by responding in gratitude. Realizing that he saved me from my sin, from myself, from my blindness. Acknowledging that one day all will bow their knee to Christ to be judged. But if they do it now, they will bow their knee and be saved. And there's a difference between now and then. For the first time I see that. Have you ever been somewhere in danger? And you didn't know it? And then they came after you and said, did you see that? What? No. And then you find, really? You know, all of a sudden, your heart. Have you ever been lost and, and, and you thought you were okay and you were going somewhere and you didn't have too much to go? Oh, I got three more minutes. I'm five minutes. I'm okay. And all of a sudden you realize you're in the wrong city or way off. You go, all of a sudden you realize, now you were just as lost a minute before, but you thought you were cool. By the way, all three verses, pray, run, and glorify, are in the present. They are to pray continuously for the effectiveness of the gospel. That's what we're to pray for people. We're not here to be a pretty little church. We're here to just impact the community of Pasadena and whoever God brings here. We are here to save souls. We are here to see the power of God transform lives and put them back together. The word being welcome into the heart. To convict man of his sin and transgression. Being regenerated and to trust the word for salvation for ongoing transformation. Being a witness of what God has done by their changed life. And allowing people to see that example. You know, you blow some people away that knew you. They they can't explain what's happened to you. (laughs) And going... You got You have to have known this guy, this girl. Something happened, man. <laughs> they won't. They won't accept what you tell them, but they know something happened. Notice the example of the word being glorified is the Thessalonians, just as it is with you. He gives them a measure to visualize what he's petitioning, and in this he commends them, just like you. I want the word of God to just blow people away and change them like it did you. They know exactly how and what to pray for. The Thessalonians were the pattern of welcoming the gospel in their hearts wholeheartedly. Walking worthy of the kingdom and the glory. So Paul wanted it to see it happen in others. 1 Thessalonians 2, 12, he said that. You see, the Thessalonians had the contagious disease. Do you? Listen, if you've got smallpox or measles, you're going to give them to somebody. You've got to have them before you can give them. The problem today is that too many people have just enough of the disease to be inoculated against it. They don't get it and they don't bug them. You've got to make sure you have the real disease of Christianity. It's a good disease to have. It overtakes your whole life. Pastor Xavier Reese, and the importance of being completely infected by the gospel. And you can find this program online to hear any portion you may have missed. Just browse for today's date in the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. 
but there's still much more to this lesson coming on our next broadcast as well. If you won't be able to tune in, though, you can always pick up a CD copy of this message. And the title to ask for is, The Only True Help is Prayer. It's available on CD for only $4. And sharing your own copy is a great way to introduce this ministry to others. Once again, the title to ask for is, The Only True Help is Prayer. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This way, we can monitor the impact of this outreach in your area. How important is the Bible? Don't miss out on the answer when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 